so now it's a matter of us pulling it all together to light the whole joint and, and putting on what I think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport. Yeah, we'll be honest with ourselves next week as usual and say, okay, it's a stonking result, but what could we have done better? Finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing and that's really what's changed this year. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars. We continue our summer series with fathers of supercar stars this week with Glenn Holsworth, who has just seen his son move from Gary Rogers Motorsport to Stone Brothers, which morphed into Erebus. Since then, he's established himself with Charlie Schwerkold before joining Tickford Racing in 2019. It's been quite a journey for them, as you'll hear today. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be Inside a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Penske. And you're on Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're here at Winton, pretty cold and damp. And uh, Glenn Holdsworth decided some years ago that maybe Victoria was not his resting place. So you're now Queensland-based and have been for many years. Certainly am, and one of the best things I ever did, Tony, was leave this place as evidenced by today's weather. <laughs> That's all right. Some of us actually like four seasons in a day, but anyway... <laughs> So, Glenn, um, motor racing and the Holdsworth name have been together for some years. So tell me your history in motor racing. Well, that's somewhat surprising you put it that way, actually, because I came out of... Uh, my background has got no attachment to motorsport whatsoever. The best I ever did was put wide wheels on a, on a Zephyr. <laughs> but uh, uh, there's a bit of a story as to why we got into motorsport, and the story is basically that through my work I'm fairly knowledgeable, if you like, on um, uh, road accident statistics and the like. And then Lee was six and Brett was seven years old, or seven and a half. They both started tugging at my uh, my uh, trousers to, uh, they wanted to get uh, a peewee bike, a, a motorbike. Yep. Because I knew all the statistics on road safety with motorbikes. So I actually said to them, on the day, if you promise me you'll never ride a motorbike, I'll go out and buy you a go-kart. And I was good to my word because, of course, they said yes. <laughs> so uh, the next Saturday, I bought them a go-kart and we went out to Ipswich uh, race uh, track, at the go-karting track out there and uh, joined the club and that's where it all started. Okay. So uh, never looked back. But there was a time back in Commodore Cup early this century then there were three Holdsworths in some there Commodore were, Cup races. There were, indeed. And, uh, and as you look ahead of yourself at the moment, Tony, you're looking at... Uh, uh, Holdsworth was indeed the Rookie of the Year in 2008. Oh, wow, now that's yeah. a title, isn't and it? I still haven't hung up my helmet. <laughs> I'm still racing Commodore Cup up in Darwin. It was a great training ground. There's a, there's a lot of young drivers and some not so young. Um, yeah. 
who came from the series. I always remember John Faulkner telling me, John Faulkner, who uh, yeah, no, was John famous, at, uh, famous at this place for racing a police car, in fact. <laughs> he, he got the livery of the Victoria Police on his car and raced yeah. it here, uh, which was next uh, Brock HRT car. And I always remember John telling me, though, that the worst category you can go and race before jumping into what is now a supercar, a V8, as it was then, the worst one you could do was Commodore Cup because you learnt bad habits. Well, I think providing you, you didn't remain in there for too long, I think he probably had a point because uh, we had that experience where Lee only spent two years in Commodore Cup before going into the Conica series, as it was then called, in uh, the second tier of supercar. Whereas Brett, of course, spent some probably seven seven years in yes. there, and uh, whilst Brett went into supercar and he, he he did reasonably well, he certainly had the bad habits that Lee hadn't ado- hadn't acquired. So yeah, yeah. I think probably uh, um, yeah, Johnny Faulkner was probably on the ball with that comment. Indeed. All right. So okay. So you bought a go kart. You've got two sons champing at the bit saying, yeah. Dad, 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 we need to go to this one, this one, this one, sort of thing. Yes. Um, but you must have got into it at some stage. Well, I, no, I didn't get into it. I got my CAMS licence, Tony, when I was 58. Right. right? Of course, that was only last year. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it was 10 years ago. I didn't know this was a comedy <laughs> show. <laughs> it was 10 years ago. I'll tell yep. you the story now. Yeah, I was 58 when I got my CAMS licence, and it wasn't until I actually virtually finished, uh, because as you're aware, I was uh, category manager in Commodore Cup for some three years, and it wasn't until I actually nearly finished that whole era that I thought, uh, and Lee, of course, was off our hands and not costing the money that he had been in the past, <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe I should have a go at this myself yeah. and see whether uh, all I've been teaching them I can actually put into practice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, they both started in the cart. Yes. Um, Lee must have progressed at a fair rate then. Uh, well, Lee was well. They were both very quick in carts. Yep. Um, and uh, we didn't do state series and national series like a lot of people do. And uh, bottom line is, we, to be honest, we just couldn't afford it. Yep. And of course, I was running two carts, which was double the cost of most most people. Um, but uh, both of them very quick. And Lee, particularly later on, we put him in. Um, uh, oh gosh, sorry, I'm forgetting the names of the cars now, but Risa, was it a Risa series cart? And he was so quick in that. Right. Um, and that was just before he came into uh, Commodore Cup. And uh, when he came into Commodore Cup, he was uh, he was fairly quick in the Commodore Cup series straight away as well. He, he was just outside the top three in those two years. And I think he might have finished fifth in the championship in the second year, but he was certainly, uh, you know, as a 16, 17-year-old, he was certainly obviously... Uh, had the talent to go oh, yes. elsewhere. Uh, not to say that Brett didn't, but Brett just didn't have that same drive and ambition that Lee had. Okay, all right. Now, there are some of the, just meant, mentioned some names. I mean, um, Jeff Emery, Tony Bates, uh, Marcus Akanovic are all people from Commodore Cup. Absolutely. Are there yes. others you know of racing still around? Well, of course, Jeff's very successful now, yes, driving yeah. in, uh, an Audi in the, uh, yep. at the GT Series, I think, and uh, just won the championship last year and just had a win last week, in fact. Um, so he's very successful. Um, Marcus Sakanovic has uh, been running in the uh, Touring Car Masters. Tony Bates in Porsche and also in GTs. Yeah, yep. there's, there's a lot of people still doing a lot of racing. They're the ones that immediately come to mind, I right. must admit. And of course, uh, there's me. There's me. <laughs> Not <laughs> well, to forget me. Yeah, um, these are all people, because I, while I didn't carry extensive reports on Commodore Cup, I usually make sure that I got the results of the races over a weekend in, in race maps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was one of the things that 
Because, you know, people who work in the top teams, of course, they've all come from somewhere. Yes. And they've come from the spannering on a Commodore Cup or a Formula Ford or something else. Yes. And they want to actually know what's going on there sort of thing. So I yes. enjoyed that yeah. and was wise enough to realise that you've got to carry that news. So we'll just talk about you, the, the eldest of your sons, sometimes Brett. known as the forgotten Holdsworth. Um, <laughs> Brett, who is, works in your business. He does. He manages our business now. And, right. uh, and that's where he and Lee... Uh, we're a little different in their ambitions. Brett always had that ambition to, um, to, to you know, down the business track, um, yep. and he saw racing as a more as a hobby than a life, a lifestyle and a life choice. Um, so yes, he's very successfully managing that business. I still work in the business myself. But, uh, You've had a number of different businesses. I have. Uh, they've all been s- similar in essence. Um, uh, we have a, a, a business. Um, with car parking equipment, we import equipment, which is you now parking meters and barrier gates and the technologies that you don't see that are out in the back office that yep. are attached to those things. Uh, also, a consulting business, which essentially is a traffic engineering business within the development sector. Uh, we don't work for the public sector, so uh, but it's in the development sector. So my my day-to-day experience is development. Uh, and is Brett's actually in working in that sector. So, how did you get into the car parking business? Ah, gee, like a lot of things. I mean, uh, you told me your story before you started this recording, uh, and uh, I think you'd probably say, uh, as I would, that you happen to, uh, to, to, to happen into these things. And uh, I uh, did civil engineering at university and okay. I went to work for Country Road Sport, as it was then called. This is, that's not a coincidence or luck Doesn't or anything like that. That's a, that's a sheer pain. If you go and do something like an engineering... <laughs> I mean, I hitchhiked yeah. from Melbourne to Sydney, snuck under a fence at Warwick Farm and got myself a job for a weekend cleaning wheels. So that was all... There was not a lot of planning involved in that. So don't sort of try to equate those things. No, a little bit more planning attached to it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, then went worked for Country Roads Board, of course, which is attached to the traffic engineering sector, and then uh, just got interested in it and uh, started my own business. So I think I was 29 years old, right. uh, out of um, a house in in Richmond, and had to get an office because Brett started to answer the phone <laughs> when he was when he was 12 months old. So uh, that's okay. the way that that all worked. And uh, thank God I had my own business because I wouldn't have been able to afford motorsport otherwise. Right. And I say that quite seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a very expensive sport, as we all know. But gee, uh, uh, never look back. I, I, I would uh, recommend it to anybody as a as a family activity and uh, an activity that not only bonds the family, one that keeps your children away from drugs and those other uh, uh, issues that we uh, hear so many parents have to deal with. So yeah, it's been a success indeed. all around. Indeed. And of course now Lee's got a couple of kids. I suppose Brett's married with kids? Brett's got uh, two children, yes, yeah, two boys, okay. and uh, Lee has a boy and a girl. Yes, indeed. And uh, my wife's actually looking after them this weekend whilst I'm here uh-huh. at, the, okay. uh, at the racing and Lee's racing. And Lee's wife is here as well this weekend. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, there's no, uh, it's far too early on any of them talking about you know, what they're going to do in motor racing yet, you know. Uh, but the, well, the, the way things are looking, they'll go down that track. Oh, uh, there's really? been a bit of encouragement being issued there, I can tell you. Uh, okay. I was only last night looking at uh, um, a replay of the Perth supercar round with uh, my young grandson, Lee's son, who is, I think, just turned two. Right. And he actually knew the names of the drivers oh. in the cars. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit of encouragement going on yeah, there. And same right. with Brett's young boys as well. They're... Uh, uh, they're, they're well and truly down that track, I think. 
Having raced in a series that uh, largely, uh, well, in fact, totally dominated by the general's equipment, um, your family colour would be naturally uh, red, than what I assume, that uh, seeing now your son in a Ford is... You know, not well, very much so, yeah. And I've just had to, I've had to renew my wardrobe altogether, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and Di's had to throw out all the red jackets and oh, skirts. Yes. Uh, yeah, very much uh, been a holden past. Um, yeah. And every car I've ever owned has been a holden, I think. I, I just actually indulged myself and bought a Corvette, so I was still going down that line. Yes, but, uh, yeah. Um, even in the business, we bought holdens all the time. Uh, so yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a departure from the norm for Lee to be into a Mustang, and Di's actually been digging me in the ribs to buy a Mustang. To be quite honest, right? Okay, uh, but, but you, I can't ha- see that happening. I, I, I assume you've had a ride in Lee's roadie, you know? No, he doesn't take his father in that car. Doesn't no, he? No. Oh, cheeky young whippersnapper. <laughs> <laughs> no, I might get a ride one day, but I haven't been in it yet. Oh, no. Okay. No. All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you've certainly. Uh, coming to an interesting time in Lee's life. It, it certainly, before he'd gone to um, drive with Charlie, that things were slowing down a bit. I mean, obviously there's now a lot of energy around things with a new car and a new team. Yes. Yeah, well, I think, like, um, you can track most of these uh, these drivers. Uh, I mean, they, they always have to, at the end of a year, and certainly at the end of a contract period, make a decision that's uh, uh, very, very much... Uh, welds them into a position for the next two or three years and, uh, uh, and my friend Joe here and I were just talking earlier on about um, uh, how in Formula One that, that occurs and and, uh, and and people can get tied you know, into a particular make that's not going anywhere for some period of time and how long do they actually cope with that mm. before they move on. Well the same thing goes for supercar and with Lee unfortunately uh, at Gary Rogers things were looking terrific and uh, he then, as you know, uh, made a move to, um, uh, to, to Stone Brothers, yep. which was a fantastic move at the time, but little was Lee to know that over then the horizon. over the horizon the Sadies were going to come in. And, of course, that, his whole career then turned from one which he was trying to win races to one where he's trying to develop a car. Yeah. And that has, has had its bonus in itself because it's made him very knowledgeable about car, uh, race cars and set up. I, I would think, I mean, uh, Dave Stewart's a pretty good friend of mine, mm. and I would think that um, to have gone through that process, even though ultimately while I you know, won a race and, and had some, you know, some reasonable times, they never had the ultimate success sort of thing. But no. to go through that process of developing it. And I, I mean, I know the stories about uh, back in AMG in the factory and, you know, you made how much horsepower of a Ford engine? No, you couldn't do that. You know, sort of, uh, you know that would be a fascinating backstory to, to oh, have Absolutely. There. And I think that experience, whilst I suppose even at this point in time, but certainly in the recent past, is to least it felt like, you know, a, 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 well, not a bad experience, but perhaps a, one that he'd prefer not to have had in yeah. a way. I think ultimately it will turn out that it will hold him in good stead uh, in where he might want to go later on in motorsport because like, he, he's seen what it takes to build a team, he's seen what it takes to develop a car, he's seen the way that teams and personalities need to work to build successful teams. So he saw that happen there. Unfortunately, of course, it was as soon as he left, they went to the hold and were successful straight away. And then uh, it's been a similar story even with Charlie. Um, and um, uh, the team he's just come, come away from that uh, there was a lot of development 
to go on there. They had a single car, so they didn't have any other data from well, any other team. Well, I mean, the, the reality is that the team that, that Mark Winterbottom is driving for is not the team that it's, Lee drove for last year. It's entirely different. Absolutely, yes, and got Triple Eight support yeah. and uh, and data coming into it. So. Um, again, things have happened when once he's left, which uh, yeah, it's a bit disappointing to him. But uh, anyway, he'll get on with it. And, but I can tell you, that he's never been so happy as he is at the moment. Um, yeah, good. He's uh, he's he's fitted in very comfortably with the team, and uh, I think uh, he's well regarded in the team, and he holds the whole of the team in high regard as well. So. Um, uh, yeah, he's got a smile and he, on his face and a bit of a spring in his step at the moment. He just needs to learn how to qualify the car a bit better, I think. I, I see that you are wearing a blue jumper now, so it's yeah, not yeah, totally abhorrent yeah. to you wearing no, that no, colour. No, no, you know? it's, not, it's not coincidental, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he, he, he's racing well and he's racing fast, but he's just not qualifying it at the moment. Whether that's him or whether it's the car... I don't know, but he needs to get up the front further in qualifying and then things well, will work out. Well, we certainly hope over the next uh, six months or so, and we've got uh, some time to sit back and watch that. Um, certainly. He's certainly shown encouraging signs. Um, so that uh, yep. thanks so much, Glenn Holsworth, for joining us on Inside Supercars. Thanks, Tony. Great pleasure. Thank you. Next week, we conclude our series on fathers with the father of the Oracle Conquering Champion, Wayne McLaughlin. I hope you'll join us then. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.